1: Welcome to our show tonight. This is Polygamy, What Love Is This? And I am your host Doris Hansen, and we're grateful that you are sharing part of your evening with us tonight. Uh, We're going to be talking tonight with a young woman from the Kingston Polygamy Group who managed to get out. But before we get started, I just need to say that we are not broadcasting live tonight. This show has been pre-recorded, so we will be able to hear more of her story. Obviously we cannot take any telephone calls, but for those who would like to make comments or ask questions, you're certainly welcome to email us. You can email us at tv at aboutpolygamy.com and of course we will answer your emails or your questions. you send to us. Because of the Sister Wives Show and other pro-polygamist activists, the lines are becoming more and more blurred about the reasons for polygamy and their unrealistic portrayals and uh, and uh, that the polygamist homes and families are uh, happy and healthy alternative lifestyle. Much of their rhetoric is that consenting adults should be able to consent to whatever kind of marriage they want. And the uninformed public is compounding the problem by agreeing with their blurt thinking and supporting a marriage practice that is of the dark ages It's barbaric, coercive, it steals the freedoms and the childhood from thousands and thousands of polygamous children, especially the females. And tonight we have a returning guest who will continue to tell about her life growing up in the Kingston Polygamy Group. She's the daughter of a man... Who has frequently been a news item He has been in legal hot water more than once in the past For being an abusive father Our guest is Colleen Snow She was here on August 29th But she had more of her story to talk about Than we had time for that night And so she's back again tonight To talk more about her life Growing up in the Kingston Polygamy Group So I would like to introduce And welcome back to our show tonight Colleen Snow Thank you Colleen Thank you. Thanks for coming back. You know, I've received a lot of comments uh, since you were on the show last time from, uh, from a lot of different areas, some from people from the Kingston Group, some from people who watch the show all the time, and just different people. And they've all been wonderful comments except one, <laughs> uh-huh. <It's laughs> that's, that's not bad ratio there. But um, the negative comment, of course, was from a true blue brainwashed Kingston member who of course supports what's going on in the Kingston group. And probably wouldn't know the truth if it stared him right in the face. But uh, one of one of the people that talked to that sent me information and, and just said, "Give her my love and and just tell her how much I appreciate her spunk and that <laughs> she's out, you know, speaking up for the truth." Um, before we begin our discussion, and for our viewers who may not have seen our first interview, uh, we'll revisit your history a little bit to, to, to kind of reintroduce your story about being raised in the Kingston group. So let's go through some of the basics that we talked about the first time when you were here in August. Your father had 14 plural wives. Mm-hmm. How many total children did he ha- does he have?
2: Um, I'm not sure exactly, but I'm pretty sure it's over 180
1: One hundred and eighty, and and I think we mentioned this last time. I wonder if he even knows how many children he's got from day to day. I'm sure he has it in a book or something, (laughs) somewhere written down. How many children does your mother have, and where where are you in the the order of birth? Uh, My mom has twelve kids, and I'm number five. You're the fifth child. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now they believe and teach that polygamy is required by God in order to go to heaven. How many wives does it take for someone to be called a polygamist?
2: Well, in my opinion, I think that anyone more than one wife than is, is a polygamist. But the more wives you have, then the harder your trials, and the uh, harder your trials, the greater your blessings. And if you have enough wives to be able to... In the next life, you re, as a polygamist, you're rewarded on earth, a world. You have your own, you're a god, uh-huh. and you have your own world. And your wives will help you run it
1: your will help you by having yeah. all these little babies is what yeah. their eternal baby machines is what they are. Um, I often wondered what, and, and when I was small growing up, I always wondered why there had to be so many wives. So well, Some men had to have so many wives. Well, what other men didn't get a wife? Because mm-hmm. there were men, there's always men, males, who don't get wives because the other men are, are yeah. snatching up all these multiple wives. And so I had a, always had a question about that. And I always wondered, and I'm, I'm just curious if you wondered, why God would require such a hurtful and abusive and painful lifestyle to get someone into heaven? Did you ever wonder about that? I did wonder, but I mean,
2: I never thought the order was right or anything.
1: Even, but, even when you were a child, you didn't believe it, huh?
2: No, well, my first memory kind of was like, Good. i want something better yeah. but um i mean i i felt like that they got the best level like the polygamists would get the highest mm-hmm. level and everyone else was just less so i mean i just kind of looked at myself as not as righteous as them but i didn't but want that to, didn't yeah, bother you too much well, yeah because i mean if they're gonna they're going to be in the greatest level of heaven i don't want to be there
1: i remember thinking that too one time my dad said that he was going to make sure i got to heaven if he had to kick me all the way there (laughs) and i remember thinking i don't want to go there then if that's if that's what it's going to be like i don't even want to be there and then i would think of the people from the group the the people who were mean and ornery Mm -hmm. and and i thought if this is heaven it doesn't sound like someplace i want to be for forever and ever so I just wondered if you kind of went through that same thought process yep. as you were growing up. As I briefly remarked at the beginning of the show, there's a lot of media rhetoric about polygamy and a lot of folks are saying it's okay as long as it's between consenting adults. So would you explain why the term consenting adults is a lie in a polygamist environment and why it isn't just about adults consenting to live polygamy?
2: well in my situation i i wasn't an adult i i ran away when i was 15 i tried to get away with from everything and i got sent back and um they treated me worse than i learned before and basically they said you're you you can not go you can't ha- we won't stop being mean until you find out who you're supposed to marry so how is that consenting when you're basically forced to
1: forced to choose, choose the right
2: you know, choose what you're supposed to do. And now you were married at 16, right? Mm-hmm. So, I, yeah, I got married at 16, and um, when and when we went, we did get a legal marriage. My mom, um, my mom was the consenting adult on the on the marriage.
1: So it, it wasn't the <laughs> consenting adults between the the no. people getting married. I mean, I
2: wasn't an adult, and I just wanted to get out of everything else, and and I felt like he was the only person that cared about me at the time. Uh-huh. So. I went towards that. Yeah. And um, while when you're at the altar, then they have this paper. They only have two copies in in the whole order, and it's it's like all crumpled up, and you can tell that it's like there's not any copies, and um, they they treat it like a priceless like priceless artifact, yeah. and they read off all of the sacred laws of God, and you say you have to say I do, or they don't let you get married. And, um, so you
1: believe in we'll obey all these sacred mm-hmm. laws. You so. have to. You have to consent, or you're not going to get
2: married. And uh, that was my goal at the time to get married because I wanted freedom. Uh huh. And um, I, I let's see. They it, it, they treat it like it was like if if it got into the wrong hands, it would destroy the order. Oh, so. Yeah and when I got married then the the men in my line they moved them they moved them from the front to the back cuz they that uh my father thought that they had a tape recorder to record it because it's and they couldn't have yeah. it recorded yeah they, you can't have it c- recorded turn off all cameras all form of um hmm recordings then.
1: Isn't it interesting? Jesus said that he never did anything or said anything in secret. Isn't it interesting that the polygamy groups have to be so secretive in all that they do? Mm-hmm. Um, so do you remember any of those commandments, of any of the things that they said? Um, or were you sworn to any secrecy when they, when you went through it?
2: I basically promised um, all of the the sacred laws of God or whatever, but I don't remember much. I mean, we have really, really long weddings, and my wedding was really long. Really? Late. Yeah, like, hmm. I was kind of tired, and I just was like, "Let's get this over with." I do.
1: Wow, <laughs> I do. Huh? Yeah. I do. Okay. So, in, in your own experience, obviously, it's not between consenting adults. And thousands and thousands of children are born in polygamy groups. Mm-hmm. You know, Mormon polygamy all over the, the West, and, and when those children are born, they're not. They don't ask to be born to polygamy parents. And then they're raised, just like you, just like me, to believe that polygamy is the only way um, to get to heaven, to become a god, to please God, go to hell if you don't, and all this. So it's not consenting adults, it's children are heavily involved with this. Yep, It's part of the equation. Uh-huh. And if you're a, bo- a female born in a polygamy group, there's absolutely no freedom at all. Like you mm-hmm. said, you want to get married to get free. And, and you got Mm -hmm. free from from the one thing, but then you became bondage and Mm -hmm. into something else. So polygamy is portrayed as being loving and peaceful with the plural wives, um, all getting along with each other and with very few jealousies and bitterness taking place between them. Would you say that this is reality? And did plural marriage work that way in your father's huge polygamous family? No, I I don't think that they're
2: friends at all and nobody treated each other with any type of respect.
1: So if he's got over 180 children, there's got to be some kind of chaos going on with that. So we're going to talk about life in such a huge family as she was in behind the scenes. Um, The untold story that that we don't see in the media from from Sister Wives and some of these others. We're going to talk about Colleen growing up in polygamy from the childhood to adulthood, and we're going to take a look at it from a child's experiences and and the child place in the adult consent thing. So uh, we're going to ask questions, how do 14 wives get along with each other? How do they treat each other's children? And how do they treat the individual wives, whether they're with each other or with their husband? Um, your father, let's start with your father, the way he had a specific way that he uh, dealt with the huge family. He would call monthly meetings and that's when they'd celebrate mm-hmm. family birthdays. Why don't you tell us about that? How did that work? Um, <laughs> so everyone would gather
2: in, like, at the school or the, the church, a big area to have everyone be able to be there. And um, the there were kids they just let them loose you know the kids c- just went and did whatever they wanted and all the teasing bullying and sometimes it was fun and um and then the parents then they all just like the moms like i guess i should say moms not parents <laughs> the moms <laughs> would gather around um gather around uh daniel and um they would just kind of be like stepping all over each other to try and get a word in or get any kind of affection or anything like that. Get
1: attention from him? Mm-hmm. And while all the kids were going running wild? Oh yeah, I mean, we did whatever we wanted. <laughs> it was wow. How many people would there normally be at it? And, and this is just your father and his wives and, and all the children. Mm-hmm. It wasn't in any other family. No, there was just, just... How many would be there at any given time? Um, Dozens? Well, a lot? I don't know exactly.
0: Yeah, I mean, just, it was
1: full. Yeah um and that's how they did birthday is that was that like a birthday party for everybody yeah. whose birthday was that month is that how that worked
2: yeah but i mean he did go and see the kids on their birthdays but it would just be my mom's night like it wasn't really anything special for the kid they'd just go and visit on the birthdays and then um he I wouldn't really acknowledge it much unless it was like during the the once a month hmm. family dinner mm-hmm
1: and so each individual child, whenever they had a birthday, it wasn't it wasn't really a big special mm-hmm. day like it is in most families. Nope. Mm. Birthdays are just another day. Did you like going to those dinners? Did you enjoy it? No. Uh,
2: we we always, like, we became ornery because my mom would be all upset, offended, and just she'd cry on the way home because she didn't have a good time or whatever happened. I don't know. I didn't hang out with the adults, but... Um she wasn 't happy, and then she 'd take it out on us and we 'd be like so upset they're... and then we just didn't want to go and then and
1: uh, dread of the next one coming mm-hmm. along so w- when the, so the the your father would be there, and all of his wives would be surrounding him like a harem i mean really that 's mm-hmm. what it is <laughs> um were they were they getting along with each other, enjoying their time with him, or were they were they fighting for attention? I mean, sometimes then
2: they would enjoy it because he'd say something they did good or whatever. He would he would kind of you could tell he would like pick favorites, and he um, he would criticize one wife in front of everybody and say why she was doing something wrong, oh. and then the other wives would chime in and be like, "Yeah, you should probably do this. This is what I do." or just Whoa. kind of be very rude and catty towards each other. Yeah. Like jealousy you, you could obviously tell was there. <laughs> and everyone nobody liked each other.
1: I so mean, they weren't loving and kind with each other like we see some of these television portrayals. No, and, and I
2: think I wouldn't say loving or kind, but I wouldn't say rude all the time either.
1: I'd be I'd say probably like tolerate. Tolerating them. That's yep. that sounds pretty much like it. Um How were the wives treated by your father during those times, and how did they treat him? Um,
2: (laughs) Well, let me bring Mother's Day in, for example. Um, We would have Mother's Day, um, we'd have the family dinners on Mother's Day, and the Mother's Day wasn't about the moms. See, Daniel's birthday was like a week or two after Mother's Day, and we had to celebrate his birthday, and then the moms just... Like the moms didn't have a day. It was all about him, and it's always about him. And then everyone would give him gifts, and da 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 da. And it's like, no, it's supposed to be mom Ma- Mother's Day, and then.
1: So you know. Mother's Day was celebrating his birthday.
2: Yeah, and then I mean, his birthday was like a week or two later. So why 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 did he get it? You know.
1: You you said that sometimes these meetings seem to be a power trip for mm-hmm. him. Like, what? Oh, I mean. Explain what you mean by that. He, what. what a, go ahead. He's always on a power trip. <laughs> I mean, when is he,
2: he has to be in control. If he's not in control, he will, uh, he will just throw a fit like a baby, like a tantrum. <laughs> oh, yeah? And then you have to deal with the consequences. And he, he's very bipolar, and he switches off from nice guy to Satan in a second.
1: Wow. <laughs> wow. Uncontrolled anger. Yeah, so you've th-
2: got to do what he says or he'll well.
1: destroy your world. I think uh, I think the judge one of the judges in one of the cases made him take anger classes because of his anger problem. and so he criticized the wives in front of each other. that really is a dirty trick to do yeah. I mean, it's bad enough for the wives to being plural wives and living that life, but then to be criticized in front of the other wives by the husband is is that's especially demeaning.
2: Mm-hmm. I mean and the wives like they try really hard to do and fit in. And, do everything you're supposed to, but and it, he doesn't just criticize them like in front of each other. He, when he goes to their houses, he talks bad about certain wives to to other wives and, um, and their and some of the kids that they have and hmm. the things that their kids are doing wrong. And if the kid and if the kid's wrong, it's the mom's fault because the mom's the one supposed to, supposed to be raising them.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I get that for sure. So your mother didn't deal with this kind of treatment very well. Would you say that? Um, that she didn't want to go to the meetings after a while would she rather not have gone well there was
2: one time she didn't go and um she was really sick with one of my siblings she was pregnant and um so she decided she couldn't go and on top of that he got mad at her at something and told her he kicked her out of the family anyway so she's like well i'm sick and you kicked me out so i'm not gonna go so he showed up and he just killed her cat That was his way of getting back at her, and I think she's gone to every one since. He killed her cat. Yeah, that was his way of being like, "You better go, or else." And and that was a cool cat. Like
1: cats are kind (sighs) of like cats, but it was a good cat. (laughs) Oh well, Oh, that—that's. I didn't want to hear that. Sorry. (laughs) That's that's that. that, But that just shows what he the the kind of yeah. You go. You need to go to the Daniel family dinners. You mentioned that it was even worse when your mother was working for your father. Mm-hmm. It was this like an employee boss mm-hmm. kind of situation? How, what was that like? Well, Daniel was
2: put in charge of mom, like, because she had a job with him a few times. And when he wasn't put in charge, then he'd put another wife in charge of her. And there were like these little uh, checklists she needed to complete it and get need to complete and get signed off or whatever. And so she would do them and then occasionally one of the wives was like upset with her and she she's like i finished my checklist will you sign it off and she's like oh yeah i'll get to that and then she come to come to find out like payday comes or like the once the once a month statements she looks at her statement and she's like didn't get her bonus hmm. you know and, and she's like why didn't i get my bonus and well you didn't get your checklist list signed off why didn't you sign it off
1: wow and it was just, just signing a matter matter of signing yeah. it off and for our viewers who don't understand what we're talking about, the Kingston Group owns a lot of businesses, right? And the people, the wives and the children being raised in the group are required to work in those businesses to keep the businesses mm-hmm. uh, operating, of course. And they can pay them lower wages that way as well. So your, your mother was working for your father in one of those businesses. Uh-huh. Um, like other men in the Kingston Group, your father married some of his half-sisters and at times the quest for DNA testing uh, was hot on his trail, and there was sometimes, uh, for a while, I don't think he is anymore, but he had to go into hiding mm-hmm. to keep get away from the authorities, and he'd leave a wife in charge mm-hmm. to get messages. Explain how that worked, uh, The how horrible of a situation that was when he was in hiding. Well, I mean, he went in, he went into hiding on and off. It wasn't, like sometimes I think
2: that he just said he'd go into hiding because he was sick of everyone, but I don't know. <laughs> but um, I, one of the times, and he put the first wife in charge. And if you need, if you ever need anything, you need to go to him to ask for permission. Everything you need to be submissive. Anything that you have or want to do, you have to go to him. If you want to buy a car, if you want to take someone into the hospital or anything like that, you have to go through the chain of command. Anything. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So um, there was a time that my mom went and tried to, so she asked the first wife, she was like, hey, um," she had something she wanted to do, I think it was like buying a car or something, something weird, I don't even remember what it was, I was so young, Mm -hmm. but, um, so she didn't, she didn't go and ask Daniel, and um, so she ended up, um, my mom just ended up Doing, taking taking it into her own hands and making her own decision. And then when he got back out of hiding, then he was really mad at her and he treated her like crap. He kicked her out of the family again. And he always kicks her out of the family. And then he gets mad at her for... He didn't, not. didn't have another
1: cat to kill, obviously. No. Well, <laughs> it didn't matter anymore. <laughs> oh my goodness! So, it was so that she couldn't get to him to find out how to make the decision. It was a decision she had to make without him, and so she made it, and then and got in trouble mm-hmm. for for making because that you're not allowed decision. to make
2: your own decisions. You have to. You're not. You have no control.
1: Yeah, it's not cons- Nothing's consenting. You know? right, nothing is consenting. <laughs> it, but you're right. It isn't for the women. Whether whether it's between consenting adults to get married in polygamy or to be consenting after you're married, you still have to go through that chain of command. Like you say, you you're not your own person. You don't have the freedoms that normal married monogamous m- couples have. It's very sad. And those who who think that polygamy should be decriminalized or made legal on that basis, they don't even know what they're talking about. Um, Let's talk about how the different wives treated the other wives' children. Were they kind, caring, loving, nurturing to them? No. (laughs) (laughs) Just one big no there.
2: Um, (laughs) uh, They were extremely abusive and rude to the kids. Um, Like, uh, we got babysat over at some of the houses a lot and um i didn't like it it it's always it stunk the houses were dirty nobody nobody took care of us and i just remember like most of the time i was standing in the corner i don't even know why i don't know what i did they there was like the wife was like too busy doing whatever she wanted and
1: so to get you out of the way she'd stand you in a corner yeah just
2: something dumb. like you you go just go stand in the corner or Mm -hmm. Um, go go do my dishes or go clean something for me like you were little slaves in the house
1: (laughs) oh yeah that's that is a a for sure thing so this is one of your mother's sister wives that Mm -hmm. are treating the children that way um so you were cleaning the other mother's house while they were babysitting you while your mother was maybe working outside of the home my mom was always working mostly so, you were babysat a lot uh, in yeah. the, the other wives' homes while yeah. you were
2: growing up? We jumped house to house, wife to wife, and different wives treated us differently. And some
1: houses were better than others, and some houses were worse. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. Um, some, they, they don't treat much about cleanliness. <laughs> um, explain your mother, some of the other mothers complained about feeding the other mothers' children. One of the, or a few
2: of the moms would. Like we'd go over for school because uh, everyone's in school, and my mom would drop us off in the morning and we'd have oats and um, usually you have molasses and raisins with your oats, and the 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 wife the other wife would be like sing- purposely single out any kid that wasn't hers and be like, "Oh well, I can't afford to feed anybody's kids that aren't mine, and only my kids get to have molasses and raisins all you get is is oats. And then I even remember like, I had to put orange juice in my oats instead of milk. And that
1: was kind of Ooh, that's, weird. That's, that's <laughs> icky, isn't it? <laughs> I, I had to learn to like it. <laughs> so I don't like it today though. <laughs> yeah, when, you, when you were here last, you talked about oats. Um, uh, let, let's kind of fill our viewers in on that they probably don't really get it what we're talking about but the, the oh, they think probably were a brood of horses or something because uh-huh. they that's one of the main staples in the group was oats we mm-hmm. got it when i was growing up and and uh, sometimes my mother would cook uh, oats mm-hmm. for breakfast, and we'd have hot oat cereal, which is good. That's fine. Mm-hmm. But most of the time, it was raw raw oats with maybe milk poured on it. But we didn't get molasses. We would get raisins once in a while. <laughs> but that was a staple. I mean, and you say, well, oats are good for you. not if that's all you get. <laughs> you know, some kids get corn flakes, but but <laughs> they got raw oats is what we called it. And um, molasses was a real treat, huh? Uh, yeah. Now, when when um. We you talk about the mothers who didn't want to feed the other children. Um, do did Daniel, did your father, did he support uh, his families, his all of his wives and all their children? Did he give them? No, I would say that he actually, like, they supported him.
2: Like, my mom pays rent. We he owns the cattle farm, and we have to buy our meat, and it's like. We're paying him. We never, he never gives us, gives us anything. We have to buy it from him.
1: So the, you, the mothers pay him, their husband, rent yep. to live where they're living? Yes. And he owns a cattle farm, and they have to buy their meat from him? Mm-hmm. And isn't there
2: somewhere in the Bible that says the husband's supposed to, su- to provide a home and to provide food?
1: In, and t- in Timothy, it says that if a man doesn't supply for his own family, he's worse. Than the worst. Well, there you go. Yeah, there you <laughs> go. For sure. <laughs> He's worse you, than Satan. <laughs> oh, uh, that's that. I don't. Well, that's polygamy. G- give an example of the abusive treatment. You gave me one example when we were talking about what one wife did to another wife's <clears throat> daughter.
2: Um, my my mom had a daughter who has heart problems, and when we were getting babysat at someone else's house. Then, she was um, she she was just playing with the kid or whatever, and she was really young. And she, the kid bit each other, and like they had little sibling rivalries. And and because of that, then she she beat the the baby, and the baby was like like she was like a baby. I don't even think I was born. This is something my sister told me, and um, she. My mom got her and my mom was mad. We, never, we didn't end up getting babysat at that home um, very much after. Um, but the baby was purple and blue and my mom was worried because she already had heart problems. And, and she, asked, she asked Daniel's mom. She's like, what should I do? I, I don't know what to do. I'm scared for, I'm scared for the child. And, and she said to, to stay in the house and don't go out until the baby's healed.
1: Don't take her to the hospital. Don't, don't take her to the no. doctor. You're
2: you're going to if you do, you'll jeopardize the family and their our safety and you'll you'll hurt people that you don't need to hurt and we need to stay
1: under the radar. So the abuse wasn't it was okay to abuse the child and and you couldn't do anything to get no. them to get them in that would get them in trouble for doing that. How, how, did she, was she okay? Well,
2: yeah, she's, she's married today and has two kids trying for another and... Oh my goodness. ...has recently had a successful heart surgery, so
1: that's good. (laughs) So, uh, that's the same, that's the same woman who, uh, one of the daughters was pregnant and she was swelling up because of fluid, would you remember that? And that she wanted to go to the hospital? And they, she, this, this woman told her, no, don't let her go to the hospital, mm-hmm. and she died because they... And it would have something been something that they could easily have treated if they... Yeah, you need to avoid
2: hospitals at all costs because you could jeopardize the safety of the order and its people. And sometimes hospitals are just put, putting poisons into your body, and, and you, can, you can fix it with home remedies. And that's, that's something big that the order has is home remedies. Yeah. And, I mean, they have a lot of health stuff that... I kind of admire and still live with, but there are some things that I'm just like, Ugh. Well, good,
1: good health is fine, but fanaticism is a different story. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to die, <laughs> hospitals are kind of needed. Well, doctor, God of. gave us the technology, the doctor medicine technology. That came from God, and there's no reason we shouldn't use it if God's given it to us. So I think what I find interesting is that, that your father would pit one, the wives against each other and pit them against each other's children, and that's why abuse that's why abuse would happen, but it would make it worse than it normally would be, mm-hmm. because you're just agitating them and making it worse by, by pitting them against each other. Yeah. But one thing I don't understand is how mothers can be cruel like that, to, not only to their own children, but to someone else's children.
2: I um, think, honestly, they have so much stuff bottled up inside, and
1: they just that's their outlet is to just be mean to the kids. Well, and he's an example, isn't he? His anger, killing cats. Uh, and he's, yeah. he's done worse than oh, that, yeah. you know, that we won't talk about. But um, So the the father does not even contribute to the support, and that would give him frustration, too, for sure. Um, your, so your father has 14 wives and over 180 kids. How many children, from what you can remember, does the largest family have that's from the same mother do you can you do you know how? I think she has about 15 or 16 kids
2: Fifteen. I don't know I mean it's been a while since I've been a part of it and there's more kids every year
1: yeah are are the mothers required to have a baby a year Um, they say
2: that if you can have you need to constantly trying to have a baby if you if your body can handle it you need to have the kids because you need to bring God's people to the earth and uh-huh. They're looking for bodies, and you need yeah. to bring the spirit
1: babies down yeah. here. So people who who think that polygamy is just kind of a back, you know, a back door thing, yeah. the polygamous groups are mushrooming. they there are all of the polygamists, not just the Kingston group, but all the polygamist families have huge families like that. And you know, it won't be long before they vote the monogamous out of the state because the polygamists are going to be more than us. I want to ask you a question from a couple of emails that I received, um, and I'm going to read one uh, email that this person wrote. She is a very sweet woman. She's from the Kingston group. She's not in the group anymore. And this is what she wrote. This is about your story. She said, I cannot understand how these polygamy girls live lives of despair and poverty and loneliness, and yet they allow their own daughters to go into the same horrible trap. I could never, ever do that to my daughters. I remember someone once told me that if we will sacrifice our lives for polygamy, our parents are guaranteed a place in heaven no matter what sins they have committed. Maybe that's why they do it. Were you ever taught that the children's polygamy will guarantee your parents go to heaven no matter what their sins are? Were you ever taught that?
2: Um, not on the no matter what the sins are but as far as i was aware of my parents were angels (laughs) well not really but i I just thought they were going to heaven because they were living polygamy Uh and um uh let's see what i wrote down um i was taught that the more trials you got through or go through then the more blessing you blessings you will receive Uh and the uh the harder and more trials the greater the blessings and um the when the guys live polygamy, then their world they're they're going to be rewarded a world, so their wives can run the world. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So I the greater agree. the
2: blessings, the more the trials. And
1: so the the, the 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 fact that a child's polygamy will will buy their ticket to the the parents' tickets to heaven. You didn't really learn that. I never learned that either when I was in there. Well, I mean, parents teach
2: their kids different things, and I've I've noticed. Um, when I got married I went from my family to his family and it was a completely different teaching.
1: Yeah. It's funny, isn't it? How many similarities Yeah, similarities
2: and different like people raise their kids differently, obviously. Yeah.
1: Okay. Well, well, all, what I have to say is all that does is make you live hell on earth. That's all polygamy does. It doesn't guarantee anybody's ticket to heaven. It just makes you live hell on earth. And that's the end of the story. That's all there is. Another e- uh, email came from a member of the Kingston Polygamy Group. And he said that Paul Kingston, who happens to be the leader of the group, is the most gentle person he ever met in all of his life. He would never lift a hand to hurt anyone. Would you be able to agree or disagree with that statement? I can,
2: I can completely disagree because some of his daughters were my best friends and they were abused i mean and if he didn't abuse them then he would tell the wife to abuse them and the mom would the mom would hurt her kids because he told her to and he honestly was the leader and you need to follow blindly whatever the leader tells you to do you need to do Mm -hmm. and um personally my experience experiences with paul was um not very good i mean i I never talked to him. He always looked at me like I was bad. And um, I, The only time that I did talk to him was when I had to get his permission to get married, and we'd have meeting after meeting after meeting. And um, before that, then, one of my best friends, one of his daughters, they were throwing a Christmas party, and they invited me. And I was like, heck yeah, I want to go. And so I get a call, like, the night before, later, and she's like, uh, Paul says you can't go, and I'm like, why? And she's like, because then that would make so nobody else could get to go. And then <laughs> I'm like my He's supposed to be an example. He's supposed to be like the man on the watchtower. I mean, if he's gonna show any kind of disrespect, then everyone else will show any kind of disrespect. If he's gonna show any kind of yeah. respect, then they'll show respect. They'll follow him, you know.
1: Mm. Mm-hmm. But
2: so I mean, he doesn't like me, and this was a time when I got sent back when I was 15, mm-hmm. and um, I wasn't. My mom took away all my outside friends and uh and and they took away all my friends in the order all your friends so too. i was alone i only hung out with my brother like we went to work we went home and he was my brother was my boss and
1: that's kind of the way why i was raised i didn't I wasn't raised around people we weren't allowed to have friends now you mentioned about um dealing with the leader in your marriage plans does he have to okay every marriage in the group absolutely is he part of picking Making the choice. I would
2: say yes because... There's another adult consent, huh? <laughs> There's more adult. Yeah, I mean there have been people that have been turned down and for example they would say, oh well she's already been promised to somebody and or um, I already have someone else in mind for her. Uh, and you could go so far in your meetings and be like you, you have to talk to a lot of people before you could get to Paul. Mm-hmm. Once you got to Paul it was like yes or no. If he says yes you're basically engaged. I got engaged Valentine's Day night hmm. and uh, I don't know it took a long time to talk to him and I don't know I was engaged for like a month
1: before you married yeah you I it. didn't
2: even know my husband very well
1: yeah so he w- he is involved in making the decision yes he is because God tells him God he has to consent to it if he doesn't consent to it you cannot get engaged okay
2: okay or we call it engaged to be engaged when you're in the process of talking to Paul
1: or the parents. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, when you were growing up, were you told about that there were other polygamy groups? Did you know that there was the All Red Group and the FLDS and these other polygamy groups? Each one of them claimed to be the only true church on the planet? Um, we knew a little bit about them, but
2: mostly they, we were better. Of course. What I was taught we were better and like we'd hear things like oh the FLDS think you're s- that the that the Kingston group is really successful because they know how to keep everyone in line and like nobody's nobody's like doing doing anything on TV or whatever and mm. we're all quiet and they're all public yeah. well I would I would say that we're quiet and they're public because of the way they dress but
1: I mean, it's well, obvious. <laughs> because they haven't been caught in some of their things either, and the FLDS yeah. has. But there's been times that the Kingston mm-hmm. group has really been in the public view where the others weren't yeah. as well. Mostly, I just, I mean, like, they would say that the All
2: Red group was basically Mormons, and we're better than
1: that. Mm-hmm. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. All of the polygamy groups are, are are the true church, and the Mormons mm-hmm. are the apostates. That's, that's all we Whatever ever heard. It is. Yeah. <laughs> When I was raised in the Kingston Group, there was no private school. Um, we all went to public school. Um, but now they have their own private school so that all of their children can be more, more thoroughly brainwashed as they grow up and they won't have to, co-op or to uh, be exposed to the outside world. Did you attend, they call it the Order School, uh-huh. did you attend the Order School? Were you a student there? And would you tell us how it operates and some of the strange things that they did? Yeah, um, see I, I was a student for
2: a while, um, my, my mom took us out because it was too expensive and we were getting bullied too much. So what happens is, um, you'd, go, you'd be outside and you, you said your, the memory gems and you said prayer, and when you got inside you'd say prayer and memory gems, And well no, memory gems were at seven in the morning and then in the beginning of school. And, um, the memory gems are kind of like like a saying that you put into little kids' heads and little kids will remember it. And
1: yeah, and, and it's a brainwashing technique. It's, That's it's what definitely it, it a really brainwashing is. technique. And the and loyalty, securing mm-hmm. their loyalty and the fear of leaving mm-hmm. And uh, see, that. See, the
2: kids all had to wear, like, uniforms, and they specially um, con- re- uh, did some construction on the school floors to make, like light blue floors and then dark blue like two lines one on each side and then the kids would fold their arms and bow their head and follow whoever was in front of them and the single file line down down the darker blue and then the other way would be the other way and they had to go in the direction And it was very organized and any faculty would be able to walk through the rest of the hallway or anybody that was a guest but um, um there was a lot of like when you could be walking down the halls and You'd see on the other end. There's this kid with a bloody nose, and I've witnessed teachers hurting kids. I've witnessed kids hurting kids. Like I've been a victim basically every day wow. in the border school, and none of the kids like got in trouble for it. There was once where my mom got mad at somebody for cutting my hair, but that
1: was about it. Mm, that's about it. Huh? Mm-hmm. Uh, tell us about their teachings of racism in the school. Do they they're they're heavily racist oh, prejudiced yeah. people. Um. Let's see. They they would talk about anybody that was colored
2: just like they were just the worst thing ever. They called them Satan's children. And um, what well, I thought, and I was so young and gullible, I, I grew up racist. I was racist. And mostly I wasn't like mean or anything. I was just like, I avoided them. They scared me because of anything the ordered people would say about mm-hmm. colored people. And I just thought that they would like just take my things and i I thought i was told that they're so dirty they'll the reason why they're brown they'll they'll put brown on you and you need to not hang out with them if they touch you you know and i was like um i I was little and i believed it and that was a turning point in my life when when the first person i met um that that not first person i met but the first person that showed me any kind of care was an indian girl and she was colored and i was like wait you're nicer than the white people. <laughs> I don't think. I don't think this is right. <laughs> so I mean, it, they just treat them like. I mean, obviously they avoid them, but they treat them like crap. Yeah, they do behind their backs, and they, they bring up these little racist kids, and they're
1: so yeah. racist and yeah. rude for no reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's the old Mormon doctrine that uh, the the is black skin. And uh, so they are very racist. They haven't changed their thinking at all. I remember the previous leader, and I've got to paraphrase this a little bit. I don't know if you've heard it, but he said something to the effect that the 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 little finger of a of a member of the group of the Kingston group is more valuable than a hundred Chinamen. Have you ever heard that? Uh no, I mean, I've heard the strength is as the strength of 10th because my
2: heart is pure in the memory gems, but uh,
1: yeah. I, I didn't and hear that. That's interesting.
2: It's interesting.
1: interesting. And, and again, please don't get us wrong. We're not racist now, but we were raised in a very racist-oriented environment. And, and it was quite freeing for me to know when, after I started studying the Bible on my own, I realized that that God uh, loves us all. He creates all of us, and He loves us all, and we're all created in His image. So there's no racism with God, and and, um, anybody who calls themselves God's kingdom, they have to put away racism as well if they want to be taken seriously. There was a Valentine's Day tradition in the school, but I thought it was kind of odd when you told me about that. Do you want to explain that? Uh, Yeah,
2: Um, so we all... I like Valentine's Day because it was kind of artistic. You made your own little Valentine Valentine's Day box, and but the rule was is you could buy Valentines for everybody, but you could not give any Valentines to a boy. I, I couldn't give anything to a boy. I had to give a, my Valentines to all the girls, and same with the boys. They had to give all their Valentines to the boys. So it's kind of promoting homosexuality, but not really because they shun it. And but I think yeah, it's mostly they do shun it. The reason why I think they do that is because one of their main rules is um, you're not allowed to form any any ties with a man or a woman before marriage at all, so that if you give someone a Valentine's you're basically saying, I like you, (laughs) and that's forming a tie.
1: The idea of Valentine, when I was in school, is we gave it to all of our classmates, mm-hmm. boy and girl. It was just just one of those traditions. And you know, we don't want to make fun of anybody's traditions, especially uh, traditions like Valentine's Day that's fun for them. But th- th- what is amazing to me is that they are so concerned about interaction between the male and the female children, and yet, well, behind the scenes, all kinds of sexual deviancy and sexual abuse takes place in the group and and of course the polygamy is part of that. Uh, tell us how they, uh, the online high school program that they have and how they manipulate that. Um, So I, I ended up doing it and
2: the online high school and it was, uh, I didn't wanna be like everybody else. I studied and tried to work hard and, but what everyone else did is they Googled everything. There was no like, Learning involved. It was just like, oh, what's the questions to the test? Oh, well, where's the answers? Okay, well, let me just Google it. And they tried to like, the the uh, online school caught up and we figured out what's going on. And they tried to change the system a little bit. But you could still Google it, you know. Mm-hmm. No one learned anything. And everyone goes to college at like 14 years old because they graduate uh, the online high school in like oh, my eight goodness. months. And you start online high school when you could go start going to ninth grade. But um, I remember one of my brothers, he was working. I mean, he, they do the online high school so you can work, so you can work. Uh-huh. Oh, okay. And, and when I was working, I was working longer hours than most people get at all. And I was going to the online high school. They would hide my hour- hours from me and t- to keep it, like, legit with the law. And then <laughs> And then they said they'd give me all the rest of the money afterwards. I never got the rest of my money. They used it towards my... Uh, online high school is that right? Mm-hmm. And, wow! Uh, Daniel actually promised me that I that he would pay for my online school, but he never did because I told him I didn't want to go to it because I wanted to go to high school. Public and, school, mm-hmm, public school, public high school, and he said no. And this was when I got sent back when I was fifteen. Uh huh. And um, one so one of my brothers he while he was working he was trying to he he was he's dyslexic and he couldn't do much online high school. So, he couldn't really read a lot. So, he paid one of my sisters from another mother to do the test and she didn't pass the test. Like she she wouldn't even do it and he paid her and she didn't even
1: So, he paid her to do the test and and if she had done it and passed it then he would have gotten the diploma. He yeah. would have gotten the passing. Mm-hmm. In, but he couldn't do it.
2: He was he was dyslexic and he didn't understand. And yeah. and he we had better things to do in school. And they taught us our whole lives like work is the most important thing. Uh
1: huh. Yeah. Not not the education. Yeah. And I've heard a lot of rhetoric out of coming out of the Kingston group that now they're allowing people to go to school. Now mm-hmm. they're allowing people to to graduate and they encourage education more than they ever have done before. And but this is really what's going on. That's why there's little fourteen year olds in in the Salt Lake Community College. <laughs>
2: And they're just running around, Learn. they're, re, they're basically still at high school level. Uh-huh. Some of them aren't even passing, they're not ready to go into college. Yeah. And they send them into college.
1: It's amazing. It's amazing how they'll tweak the system and uh, make... Uh, and um, my brothers, they don't even get to go to college for what they want to go to.
2: They are saying, okay, go go get your degree in this and then we'll have a job for you. So basically, they're, they're making them do what they want them to do so that they can work for them mm-hmm. and be a be- better asset for them. Because
1: So that's all they are, is child labor? Yeah. About I would say it's a business. It's not, it's not a religion. Well, that would be another question that I would ask you. Is is, this, uh, uh, is the leader of the group, is he the leader of a church, or is he just the boss of a lot of businesses? He's just the boss of everyone. And their businesses. <laughs> is, it, is it a religion or is it a business? I think it's a business, but they they
2: put God's name in front of it to justify it and to get people to believe it. And
1: that is taking the Lord's name in vain, in my opinion. Very, very much so. Absolutely it is. You've been very outspoken about your life in the Kingston Group. Have you ever been threatened to shut up or have you been threatened because you've, you haven't shut up? Um,
2: I wasn't necessarily threatened. Except when I was in there, I think basically they don't want anything to do with me because they know I talk and will talk. They, I haven't had anybody talk to me. And and when I was first out, I had to be in a safe house in hiding. No one needed to know my information. I couldn't send emails from home. I had to, mm-hmm. I had to stay in hiding because of the threats and stuff that they tell people. Mm-hmm. And they, I were, I was afraid they'd come and find me and. Mm -hmm. They never did because I was hiding from them. But now I'm like,
1: bring it on. Yeah, yeah. So if they had found you and brought you and forced you back, what would they have done with you? you, They had hidden you in some desert house out in the middle of nowhere for 40 years? What would they have done Um, to you?
2: Honestly, I don't think they wanted me back. But what they probably would have done with me was uh, pull me aside. and like I would still be with my ex-husband and... I wouldn't be able to have anybody. I I was basically in that spot already. I mean, I was on the farm, nobody, nothing to do, just I felt like I was riding away.
1: And yeah. so I was like, no, I'm going. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're going to be a consenting adult and consent to your own life. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> a lot of people that leave the Kingston group talk about um, the horrid examples of sexual abuse that have taken place. Are you aware of, of any of that that has gone on or is going on? Um,
2: yeah, there's tons of sexual abuse. I personally wasn't ab- sexually abused until I was married, and I do have a lot of siblings that were, and I just got lucky. I mean, I am the fifth kid. They, they they got the oldest ones, and they got the younger ones, and I was just kind of so you were lost I in the middle. It. Huh? I feel like I dodged it. Wow. I I feel like um, that there was opportunities for someone to hurt me, but. I feel like I got lucky.
1: Do you think that the polygamy groups themselves are incubators of of the sexual predators? Absolutely. the The secrecy basically
2: gives them the right to do whatever they want, and power trips,
1: and <laughs> all that stuff. Yeah. So you, your sisters, um, were they? And I don't want to get too personal, I don't want to, you know, to to make it too difficult to even talk about, but was it mostly between siblings, or was it with adults Um, and kids? I can't really
2: say, because uh, there wasn't a lot in my family. I think it was mostly... Other families? uh, It happened mostly with other families, and yes, I know of a brother from another mother who would sexually abuse his other little brothers, and... um, but I feel like that it didn't happen
1: unless someone did it to him. And that happens so much. Mm-hmm. So very much. What about, um, very very briefly talk a little bit about the religious training that goes on in the Kingston group. Do they have regular church meetings, Sunday school, religious training that takes place? Well you have Sunday,
2: uh you have the big meeting Sunday and then you you break apart and go into your Sunday school classes, and if you're married, then the women go into the woman, the marriage training classes, and then the guy goes into the guy training classes, and, um... Is that
1: Sunday morning, the, the, the big Sunday, service? like,
2: it's, like, nine, 9 in the morning to, uh, 12, 10, and then, um, on different days, like, on Fridays, they'd have co-op training, and every now and then they'd have, like, other meetings between... Men that were chosen to start going to numbered men meetings,
1: and numbered men were like, you know, the mm-hmm. good guy, yeah. like the yeah. righteous folk. <laughs> so they the, so they didn't really they. They were, had the business part, and then they had the religious part. Well, we're, we're running out of time now. Uh, Colleen, thank <laughs> you so very much for sharing part of your life with us. I know some of it can be uh, kind of uh, difficult to talk about, but at least you're giving a little bit more light into what's going on inside polygamy groups. And believe me, that's very helpful. And you're doing a lot besides just this show. You're doing <laughs> a lot of other things, which is, is good as well. You know, before Jesus was crucified, uh... he said i have come into the world to bear witness to the truth everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. He said, everyone who is of the truth listens to him. So listen to something that Jesus said. In Matthew 22, 29 uh, and 30, he said, you know neither the scriptures nor the power of God, for in the resurrection they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. Jesus said there's no marriage in heaven. Those who are of the truth, listen to Jesus. He said there's no eternal marriage. So what's wrong with this culture that they hang so much of eternity on marriage? marriage practice on earth that ends with a physical death. All the early Mormon polygamists claimed that they would have harems in heaven. All the polygamy groups today also believe they'll have harems in heaven. Obviously, they aren't of the truth because Jesus said there are no marriages in heaven and we stand on the truth of Jesus. We've heard another story tonight of a young life raised in the terrors of a polygamy group, but she got away, and we pray daily for people to get away from polygamy. But what about those poor souls who never do get away, who are born and raised and married and die believing the lie that marriage has an eternal aspect When Jesus said it doesn't, I say this on the show all the time. Jesus is the savior, not marriage, not polygamy, not a polygamy group, not a church. Not everyone will take Jesus alone as their way into heaven. They add too many words to it, too many commandments, too many rituals, too many requirements for people to gain eternal life. They are not of the Bible. They are not required at all. And these are the ones who will not make it, who are, the, who are trying to work for something that Jesus already has done for them. Those who do not make it are the ones who are trying to work for it. But those who do make it are going to be like the sinner in the temple court that Jesus pointed out to his disciples who prayed a simple prayer, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. Jesus died for our sins. Polygamy is not part of it. And the ones who will be found in eternal life will be the ones who trust in Jesus and him alone. Good night.
0: This has been the audio podcast edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This?